Well, hello again. Welcome to another special edition of the EFTM F1 podcast. Connor McNally with you. Yes, we are still in the off-season. That is Formula One. It will get back underway in the coming weeks and months, but we are excited for 2021 to happen. But I thought I would get into your little ear holes once again and give you a bit of an update on our Australian F1 hopefuls that contested the FIA Formula 3 Championship in 2020. Now, if you listen to our most recent podcast, we had a chat to Alex Peroni, who not only won the Peter Brock Medal awarded by Motorsport Australia very recently, he also announced that he is off to race in Indy Lights in season 2021. A massive opportunity for him. By his own admission, it is a massive sidestep to his career, accustomed to what he has been doing. Doing over the last few years but knowing Alex he will be taking the opportunity with both hands and he will be going for it in the United States and we wish him all the very best but whilst we we're having a chat during the uh, the recording of the podcast Gerald McDonald got in touch with me he helped me facilitate the interview via Richard King from the DSEG group who look after Alex Peroni's uh, media affairs and Gerald said to me well how do you feel like having a chat to Oscar Piastri while you're at it? And I thought, well, why the hell not? There's been quite a bit happening to Oscar since he last chatted to Trevor Long just after he won the championship in September. Oscar's been a very, very busy boy. He's not only done the Renault Young Academy driver test at Bahrain some weeks ago, and in the last couple of weeks, he has announced that he is off to race in the FIA Formula 2 Championship for Prema Racing, the team that he drove for in Formula 3 this past season, and to great success. So, without further ado, let's catch up with the man himself, who I spoke to in his hotel room whilst in quarantine in Melbourne just a few days ago. Oscar Piastri, thank you for joining us again on the EFTM F1 podcast. No worries, thanks for having me. No worries at all. Uh, congratulations from me personally on your success in Formula 3 this year. A tremendous result. I know Trevor had a chat to you days after you won the championship. Is it still sinking in for you right now? Are you having to pinch yourself and realise that it's not a dream, it actually happened? Uh, I mean, it's definitely sunk in, I think. Now that I've done some more driving again and sort of experienced faster classes now as well, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of already uh, in the memory bank now. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely cool. Very proud of what I did this year, and um, yeah, very very happy with that one. As you should be. A lot has happened to you since we last spoke to you. Naturally, you've had your, your dry, Young Driver Academy test with Renault at Bahrain, which you did very well. You did close to 500 laps in the remaining couple of days of that test with Renault. And then, of course, the announcement of racing in Formula 2 for Prema Racing in 2021, continuing your association with that team, which have been so dominant in both Formula 3 and Formula 2 over the recent years. It must give you some confidence going into 2021, knowing you know, things are now in concrete, they're ready to go, and you're in a very good position to hopefully challenge for the Formula 2 title. Yeah, exactly. Very happy to be staying with Prema. Um, you know, they've, they've definitely shown this year what they're capable of in, in every class, really, but especially F3 and F2. Um, so, yeah, very happy to be staying with them. Like you said, had the, the F1 test, which was super cool and, and loved every second of that. Um, but, yeah, it's good to have everything sorted. Uh, obviously, I've already had the, the first test in F2 and 
went pretty well. Um, definitely learned a lot. There's a, quite a few differences uh, from F3, just pretty different car overall to drive. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. That's for sure. You mentioned there are some differences between the Formula 3 and the Formula 2. What are the main differences? Obviously, much more power with the F2 compared to the F3, but what are the other differences? Um, so, yeah, there's the power, um, a little bit, well, a bit more downforce as well, naturally. Um, also, quite it's quite a bit heavier. It's, I think, nearly close to 100 kilos heavier again. Yeah. Um, so, it's... It's a pretty heavy uh, single seater these days, um, but also the the bigger rims as well have quite a big difference on how the car behaves. Um, you know, having such a, a small sidewall now, there's really not much movement before the car lets go. So it's it definitely keeps you on its toes. Um, but yeah, those those are the big differences. I think especially the weight coming from from F3 and then sort of combine that with the extra power and and having to manage the tyres for longer, it just makes everything a bit more difficult. So, um, yeah, quite a few changes. The first test session that you did, uh, like the post-season test uh, at Abu Dhabi, um, what was Abu Dhabi like as a track? Uh, was it everything that you expected it to be? And the car, the handling of the car, obviously knowing it's a heavier car than what you had in Formula 3, but did everything live up to your expectations? Uh, well, it was at Bahrain. So... Oh, Bahrain, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Bahrain. No, that's right. So yeah, I mean, I'd been to the track before. I've actually, I drew, I've driven there in F1, F2, and F3. This year. <laughs> so I've experienced it in every class. Um, but yeah, I think coming sort of back down from the F1 car, especially at the same track, um, you know, it, it, I would say the car didn't feel exceptionally fast. Um, but, you know, and anyway, to be honest, the car's not that much faster than the F3 car. Um, sort of the gap between Formula Renault and F3 and F3 and F2 was yeah. uh, much different. So, um, yeah, I mean, coming back down from F1 was a little bit of a <laughs> on the first day. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can definitely feel it's a bit quicker than F3. And yeah. um, it's got a bit more grip. And then, like I said, a bit more power. And with the turbo, you can, you can definitely feel when the turbo kicks in, which is good and also bad because it also makes, the, the, the turbo uh, lag it's it's the turbo lag that kicks in that really puts you back in your seat isn't it yeah but it, it's it's pretty difficult to manage especially when your tires are dying it uh, is pretty easy to burst into wheel spin so um yeah i mean it was definitely a step up from f3 but nothing nothing too crazy Let's touch on the test with Renault. Uh, the, the announcement was made not long after you won the Formula 3 Championship that you would partake in the Young Driver Academy test in the RS18. Um, you did, as I said, the last couple of days of the test in Bahrain. When did you start to realise when you had your seat fitting at Enstone that this was actually happening, this is going to be the real deal, that you're going to have your first full taste of Formula 1, something that very few Aussies get the opportunity to do yeah it was was pretty surreal making the seat to us it was like you know i've done a lot of seat fits in in my time in cars now and yeah i mean when you do it in an f1 car it's it's definitely pretty special um 
I was actually using Dan Ricardo's seat from when he did the RSA team test. So it was a bit strange to be using another Aussie seat. Um, but but yeah, it was it was cool. And then I think it, it it's sort of really sunk in once I got to Bahrain and did all the checks and jumped in the car and made sure I, all the pedals were good and the seat was good and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it, it all happened pretty quickly, to be honest. There wasn't a whole lot of time to to let it sink in and, you know, sort of realise what I was doing until after the test. And, you know, and then you could sort of go, wow, I've actually just driven an F1 car and I'm one of, like, a couple of hundred people in the world that have ever had the chance to do that. So, um yeah it was was pretty cool and then the the test day i did i got one day and yeah it was was really cool really you did really up cool. to five yeah you did up to 500 laps uh, are you surprised or no how? i think it was five i think it was 500 k's oh 500 k's yeah, i'm sorry yeah 500 laps. oh okay okay i was wrong there so 500 <laughs> I think it's yeah. about 85 laps. Okay, 85 laps. So just up to 500K. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of a lot of kilometres to do in, in a short space of time. But as you did more and more laps, did you get more and more confident getting used to the car, getting used to the track, even though you'd driven there before, but just getting used to, like, how, how there's so much power going through the rear wheels and just the, the sheer acceleration of the car? Like, was it just... Was it overwhelming at first or was it something that you just quickly adapted as you went along? I would say I adapted pretty quickly, to be honest. Um, I, I think generally you can kind of tell if you've picked it up well based on sort of the lap times with the tyres because um, if you're doing a performance run, then generally, especially at bar, a place like Bahrain when it's yeah. hot, the first push lap is is really sort of the best lap to to do a good lap so i think my first i think already even on the, the first session um my first lap my first push lap was was quicker than my second push lap just because the tires had already started to go off so that sort of indicated to me that okay the tires are also dead but if i can do my a quicker lap on my first lap ever in the car then clearly i'm starting in a pretty decent position um and and that you know that sort of trend carried on through the day which i was happy about um and yeah to be honest the the f1 car is so well refined and you know the the setup you have to have because you have so much downforce the car just doesn't work with oversteer at all so the car is actually quite stable to drive um so you know it's obviously it, it took a bit of a bit of pushing the limit especially in the high speed to just find out how much grip i had yeah, um, and that was sort of the biggest thing to get used to. Also, the braking. Uh, I think being at Bahrain was nice because you've got a lot of runoff. But just just trusting the car to brake even later than I did in F three and, and F two with like an extra twenty or thirty k's at the end of the straight definitely also took a bit of getting used to as well. And you come through the other side with flying colours. Renault seemed very, very happy with you at the end of the test. Uh, they've been basically full of praise. I know Cyril has been uh, you know, waxing lyrical about how well you've done this year. You've been the shining light uh, from what Renault has said. It has been a pretty lacklustre year for its Young Driver Academy. But you've done exceptionally well, so much so, of course, you're now in that F, uh, F2 seat for 2021 with Prema. It must give you some confidence knowing that Renault are backing you very very strongly 
moving forward into 2021? Yeah, I mean, definitely helps to have Renault support. And I think, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of truth to, to their state, to what Renault have said. Obviously, um, I think my, my championship is the first one they've had in the academy or, or one of the first. Mm. Um, and, you know, I would say everyone else didn't have bad years by any stretch of the imagination. They also had, had pretty solid years. I think in F2 was pretty tricky um, for both Christian and Joe. I think Joe had a lot of technical issues and Christian was was a rookie. And I think ART, the team he's with, probably had a few uh, off-rounds as well. So, you know, I think it, it probably looks a bit worse than it is. Yeah. For, for those guys but yeah obviously getting praise from from people like Cyril and everyone within Renault is is certainly very much appreciated and uh yeah it's great to sort of uh I guess be the sort of most successful driver in the academy that they had this year so um hopefully I can carry that forward into next year have you had a chance uh, for the rest of the season to interact with Daniel Ricciardo and get some feedback from him? I know you've said you've, in the past you've you've had a brief chat with him here and there throughout your time at, uh, as being a Renault young driver. Uh, have you had a chance to chat with him a little bit more in depth since that test and you know going to some of the races? Because you have been part of the team uh, for the remaining races of the season. Yeah, so... He sent me a few messages after the F1 test, actually, which was really cool. Nice that he was sort of keeping an eye on it, um, which was nice to see. And then, um, uh, yeah, I, I got a good chance to speak with him uh, in Turkey. So I, I went to the, to the Grand Prix with Renault F1. Um, and, yeah, I got to sit down with him for quite a while, sort of in the hospitality and speak to him about all kinds of stuff and so yeah, it was it was really cool to actually get to know him a bit rather than just spend a few few minutes chatting to him in between that photo ops. <laughs> obviously next year you've got Fernando Alonso joining the team and Fernando's a different personality altogether. He's the most experienced driver in the field, the most uh, the most the oldest driver in the field as well. Out, uh, I think the second oldest in fact behind Kimi Raikkonen. But he's also one with incredible uh, with an incredible CV, two-time world champion. Um, are you going to try and utilise his experience as much as you can throughout 2021 if you get to do some tests with Renault or maybe even a Friday practice session, should they allow you? Yeah, definitely. I think having Fernando on the team is going to be a massive boost. Obviously, they're losing Daniel, which is a bit of a shame, but uh, you know, bringing in the two-time world champion, he's, he's going to be on the ball. I think it's it's... He's put in, you know, I think even just putting in, seeing how much effort he's put in from the moment he sort of got confirmed has been sort of breathtaking, really. The amount of testing he's, he's mm. been pushing to do and, and you know, just, just his effort in, in going to the factory and getting involved um, with, with, you know, what's going on this year. Like he's sat in on, on all the technical briefings and all the, the debriefs and stuff like that, which has been really, really cool to see. And I think that's one of his you know, biggest strengths is just his sheer determination to, to win. Um, so it's, it's already been, you know, sort of really admirable seeing what the amount of effort they've put in. Um, and yeah, for sure, there's a lot I can learn from him. You did the Turkish Grand Prix with Renault. Uh, were you in Bahrain 
at the Grand Prix where we saw Romain Grosjean have that horrifying crash or were you away from that particular incident? Uh, I wasn't at the track, but I was in the, uh, they're called Ops Room in, at Enstone. So the, it's sort of the, the sort of team away from the track, I guess you can yeah. call it. Yeah. Um, so I had all, all the radios and stuff. I could listen to all of them. So yeah, that was pretty traumatic. Uh, well, not traumatic, but well, yeah, traumatic to an extent. I mean, obviously no one ever wants to see that, but um, just very glad that he could could walk away from it, you know, relatively unscathed. Obviously not not the way he wanted to go out in his career, I'm sure. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I'm glad that, uh, that yeah, he, he walked away. Yeah, it was a pretty nasty incident. Um, actually, talk to us about the the, the control room at Enstone. It, it's it's like as you said, the the team away from the track, and they they're very much involved in helping the team that is at the track run smoothly and efficiently. So, tell us about how it all works, or in to the best of your ability. Yeah, so um, there's there's quite a lot of. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's sort of a couple of people from each group, I guess you could call it. There's yeah. a couple of engineers, also one dedicated race engineer. Mm. Um, obviously, I think, you know, I don't know what it would look like in a normal year. I don't know if there's more or less people there this year yeah. because of all the COVID restrictions or what. But um, yeah, there's a few engineers looking through car data, um, some strategy guys on the strategy team um engine p power unit people as well um so sort of a few people from from every aspect of the career just having a another set of eyes really looking at everything did it impress you knowing that this could be what you would be maybe doing in the next couple of years knowing that you've got that engine room back at the the head base as well as the team at the track knowing that you know they're going to be right behind you if you get to formula one yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's, you know, unique to Renault or... Oh, of course, know, it's not unique. Every team has it. But does it give you some confidence yeah. that, you know, it's a well-drilled organisation? Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's pretty impressive how, you know, how well it works together and, you know, the fact that you can have people back in the UK working on the car that's driving in Bahrain or... Yeah wherever it is in the world. So it's, it's, it's definitely cool to see. And, you know, I think uh, I've been in there a couple of times. I think I've been in there twice. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's really amazing how well they can all work together and, and how much input actually does come from mm. uh, the ops room back at, back at base. We'll just wrap things up uh, very shortly, but I just want to say that you're currently in quarantine at the moment in Melbourne. Uh, you arrived not long ago back into Australia, so you're obviously going to be spending your Christmas in hotel quarantine. Must suck a little bit, but uh, it must feel good to be back at home now. You know, soon you'll be able to spend time with family and friends in Melbourne and uh, enjoy a little bit of freedom before you head back to Europe. When do you go back to Europe to get ready for your 2021 campaign? Um, so at the moment, I, I think end of January is when mm-hmm. I head back. Um, I think, yeah, there's still a lot of sort of uncertainty. I think the UK is really not in a, a very good place with mm. the COVID situation at the moment there. Um, 
So, yeah, I think it's going to be sort of a constantly evolving thing that we monitor while I'm here. But, yeah, I think, you know, there's not really any other place in the world to be well, in general than Australia, but especially right now in the world, I think with so few COVID cases, I don't think Victoria's got any, or maybe we have a couple now. Yeah, well, I, I'm in Sydney. Yeah, I'm in Sydney, and yeah, we're we're kind of in a uh, interesting situation where we've got the northern beaches of Sydney in a lockdown, and the rest yeah. of Sydney is like there's a lot of restrictions happening at the moment. So you're kind of lucky yeah. that you you've missed a lot of what's happened in Melbourne this year, but uh, it must feel good to be home though. Yeah, it's definitely good to be home. I, you know, I haven't seen my family since I left for the beginning of the season in May. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it'll be really good to, to spend a delayed Christmas with them and, uh, and New Year's and most of January. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to some warm weather as well and, and just sort yeah. of having a normal life, <laughs> um, particularly compared to what Europe's been for the past uh, six months or so. Yeah, absolutely. So when do you get back into a car? When do you start testing it? I know we've got the official test coming up around February, March, but when do you get back into a car and start getting yourself ready again for 2021? Uh, that will be the, the next time I'm in a car. So where, mm. yeah, the, there's no other testing or, or anything like that before okay, the official cool. test. So I've got those three days before the first round and yeah, that's it. So I've got to, got to get my act together pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, just one thing, um, the, the calendar that has been released, it, obviously Formula 3 and Formula 2 are not going to be running together next year as part of the support program. Um, do you think it's a good thing or do you don't really care that much that Formula 3 and Formula 2 are running separate championship programs than what has been done previously? Um, I mean, it's, it doesn't really affect me personally. I mean, it's just, just one less thing to watch during the weekend, I guess, <laughs> which is, you know, I think it, it's a bit of a shame to be honest. I, you know, I think one of the highlights of, well, not one of the highlights, but a fun part of the weekends this year was, was being able to watch the F2 races. Obviously I'm going to be in the F2 races next year, but yeah, of course. I can imagine watching the F3 races is also going to be exciting. So it's a little bit of a shame. Um, I can understand why they've done it, but yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect um, you know, what I do on track. It, I've got an extra race every weekend, although okay, we've got four less weekends, but yeah. um, we've got an extra race at each weekend. So, you know, I guess there's, there's positives and negatives to, to that. Absolutely. Final question. Can Oscar Piastri win the FIA Formula 2 Championship in 2021? Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's optimistic for yeah. sure. But in saying that, I also wasn't expecting to win this year. So yeah. I think it's, it's possible. I think it's going to be very, very difficult. I think the grid's going to be the most competitive field I've been in. And I think it's to be honest, going to be one of the more competitive F2 grids that we've had. Um, there's going to be, yeah, sort of a, a lot of people um, from various academies and, and just fast drivers in general. So I'm expecting it to be a very competitive season. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I think it's a very diplomatic answer to end this conversation <laughs> and a good one as well. 
Mate, congratulations. I speak once again for both Trevor, Harry and myself. Um, we're very proud of you, just as much as Australia is very proud of you. I know that the Australian media have really got behind you since you've won the championship, and I think your, your star is continually on the rise. We're very proud, as I said. Congratulations. Have a wonderful Christmas. I know it's going to be a delayed Christmas for you, but enjoy it. Enjoy your time back home, and we wish you all the very best in 2021 in Formula 2. Go hard. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. A very humble young man with a mature head on his shoulders. Cannot wait to see what Oscar Piastri does in the FIA Formula 2 Championship in season 2021. We wish him all the very best. Speaking of which, here is the calendar for the 2021 season. It kicks off with the opening test of the year at the Bahrain International Circuit on the 9th to 11th of March before the racing season itself kicks off again at Bahrain on the 27th and 28th of March, supporting the Bahrain Grand Prix. It then heads to the Barcelona circuit, the Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya, for the second test session of the year on the 21st, 22nd and 23rd of April before they head to the Principality of Monaco for the second round of the championship on the 22nd and 23rd of May. Then it's off to Azerbaijan and the Baku Street Circuit on June 5 and 6. Round 4 is at Silverstone, supporting the British Grand Prix on July 17 and 18. Then it's off to Monza in Italy for the fifth round of the championship, the halfway point supporting the Italian Grand Prix on September 11 and 12. Then it's off to Russia and the Sochi circuit on September 25 and 26. Then there's a two-month break between that race and the Jeddah Street Circuit in Saudi Arabia as part of the inaugural Saudi Arabian Grand Prix on the 27th and 28th of November. And the season rounds out at the Yas Marina Circuit in Abu Dhabi on December 4 and 5. So eight rounds through the season two test days in between it is going to be a very very busy year for not only oscar but for all the drivers contesting the fia formula 2 championship thanks for listening to this special edition of the eftm f1 podcast don't forget to like and subscribe and share the word and also leave a little bit of feedback for us because that's what's important we like to hear what you think about the podcast hope you enjoy yourselves we'll see you next time on the eftm f1 podcast bye for now (laughs) 